Amen. First Thessalonians chapter 4. Say amen if you're there. The video that we show there, we've showed it before, and you've seen it before, and it's not the first time for many. But there are some, it's, it's just like we talk about, like my dad says, when he gives information on the offering. I know about tithes, and I know about offerings, and I know all this. Well, there's some people that don't. And that's why people are always coming. The, the, a church is a revolving door, as we know. Uh, people ask me all, all the time, friends, family, different people, how's the church doing? And my answer is always good. And then, well, how, you know, how many people you have? How, how is it growing? And all these questions. And my answer is always, it's a revolving door. And that's every church in the world. People come in, people go out. The idea is we're trying to get people plugged in. Trying to get people involved. Trying to get people committed. And uh, understanding that the, 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 this is their house. But obviously, that, uh, that's, that's, the, that's the fact. People come, people go. People are here, people aren't. People make it, people miss. And so that's always the problem. As a pastor, you would always want everybody to be at every service because every word is important, right? And so sometimes you just think, and me and my dad were talking about this this week. We, we were thinking about how important these messages are and how important it is that everybody would hear them. And, and when you, how many know when you have the truth and you have the answer, and you have the word of God, you want everybody to know about it. How many, how many want to have a bigger uh, audience, so to speak, in your life about the truth? Amen? It's like it, if you knew the, uh, the cure to cancer this morning, you'd want to you'd be on TV telling the world. And we have the cure. We know it's Jesus this morning. Amen? And we know he's the answer for everything going on in the world. So all we can do is live our lives and try to preach the gospel as God tells us to. And then he does the rest and not, and not get frustrated about those people we invite that don't come. Amen. We can't do anything about it. We can't get them here. We can't. All we can do is invite and pray and ask and teach and tell and live our lives the way God wants us to live it. And, that, and he does the rest. Amen. But this is such an important message. And, and you know, I, I've always preached on the, on the rapture. I've always preached on the return of Christ. I've always uh, preached on the end times. And at the end of last year, we, we spent several months over, going over some things that were happening. And I want to uh, pick some stuff back up with, and give you some new stuff this morning. But I, I, I have to preach as if You've never heard it, so those that haven't will understand where I'm going. Amen? And if you've heard it before, you can hear it again. You saw in the video that God said in the beginning he created the heavens and the earth, and we know that the timetable started, and we understand uh, in Genesis, I'm going to start giving you just a little bit of lay in here to understand God's timing. If you want to label this this morning or, or title it this morning for your notes, uh, call it God's perfect and prophetic timetable. Amen? God's perfect and prophetic timetable. You would be wise to take notes. You'd be wise to write things down. That doesn't mean you're not wise if you don't or you're bad if you don't, but it's important that we write this stuff down. Why? So we can tell others about it. Amen? How many know we're not, we're not all uh, perfect in our memory? And so you might begin to go to try to tell somebody, man, this is what's going on. Listen, and then you begin to mess it up because you don't know what you're talking about, it takes a lot of study and a lot of time and a lot of understanding to get this uh, in a way that's right, right? In a way that's understandable. So if you're writing it down, you use those notes and you say, look, this is what the Bible says here, this is what the Bible says there, and then you can tell, help people out. So God's prophetic and perfect timetable would be the title. Now, going back to the book of Genesis, I'm going to make this easy to understand why we have a timetable. How many have a watch this morning? Let me see your watches. You got a watch on, when you look at that watch, it tells you the time, amen? God has a watch. God has a spiritual watch. And uh, his time is not our time. His ways are not our ways. But I can tell you this morning, he has a timetable. And, and for many years, my dad said some interesting stuff this morning. It, it is amazing how you can be saved a long, long time, and you can get a general understanding of things. You can get a general understanding of the jest of what God is saying to us, and, 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 but then there's many things that you don't grasp, and then later on you grasp it, and then later on it makes sense. How many have seen that happen in your life? And, and then sometimes it's very simple, and we make it very difficult. One thing I'll tell you that is the more I've studied the Bible, the simpler it's become. 
That's a fact. It hasn't become more difficult. And, and I know for some of you that have been saved for less than a year or less than two years, you don't have a whole lot of Bible knowledge. You, you don't even like to go to the Old Testament of the Bible. You don't even like to read it. And don't feel bad. I didn't either when I first got saved. Because none of it makes sense in the beginning. You start to read Leviticus and, and, and Deuteronomy and some of those books in the first books of the Bible. And you go, what in the world are they talking about? But the more you study the Bible and the more you begin to look at the Bible and the more you begin to understand the Bible, and the more the revelation of God comes through the Holy Spirit, you begin to see, wow, this isn't as hard as it seems. And everything in the Old Testament is looking forward to the New Testament. And everything in the New Testament is, is, is fulfilling what the Old Testament said so you go all the way back to the book of genesis and we know that the bible says god created in the beginning the heavens and the earth how many believe that this morning and the bible says that he created in how many days six days and on the seventh day he what rested so we are, are in a calendar today uh, in the world even though the world a lot of people don't want to try to be uh, godly or anything they they don't understand here we are on sunday and some call it saturday some call it sunday tell me tell you don't really matter it's six days of work and one day of rest amen and we live in a day where there's a sabbath and so just as creation had six days of work for god he said on the seventh i want it to be a day of rest i want it to be a sabbath day i want it to be a day that that uh you you give to me and then it goes on to be even further that every sixth year there would be six six years of work and on the seventh year there would be a sabbath year so just going back to genesis you should begin to understand god created in six days six days of work a seventh day of rest six years of work a seventh year of rest and we are in god's timetable we understand that maybe some of you don't know or understand that in god's timetable we are right now in the sixth thousandth year of earth you can, you can argue with you want all you want with the scientists and that say whenever you hear those things that say we've been here for billions of years and all that stuff, you choose this morning if you believe scientists or if you believe God. I believe God. There was 4,000 years from, from, the, from the creation of the world to Jesus. There's been 2,000 years from Jesus till now. Amen? You say, well, 2015 and a whole bunch of other numbers, you can start to say, well, I don't understand this and I understand that. But the first thing I want you to understand is that we are not on a Gregorian calendar in the Bible. We're on a lunar calendar. So it changes the dates a little bit and moves things around a little bit. But it's easy to understand that we are in the 6,000th year right now. So how many know if you, if you uh, do math and it's not too hard, 6 isn't a real big number, we can understand that biblically and prophetically on God's timetable, we've got to be getting near the end. Of what? Of work. Six days of work. So what's next? What's next? Rest. Right? Isn't it, wouldn't God finish what he started? If in the beginning he created the earth in six days and on the seventh day he rested, wouldn't he have earth be six days, six thousand years? Why you say thousand? Why you say years? The Bible says a day is like a thousand years. A thousand years is like a day. Okay, and so we know we're in the six thousandth year. There's there's sites you can look at to understand that. And, and one thing I'm going to tell you this morning that's very difficult for me right now is that I have so much, and I'm not, I don't say this to brag, I'm saying this just because it's, it's the truth. I have so much to say and so little time to say it that I don't even know where to go, and I'm, that's where the Holy Spirit helps. But there's so much to say and so much to talk about on this subject and so much new stuff that I have that I know I'm not going to be able to get it all in. I've been saying, God, how can I get this? Every time I preach in a 40-minute message or 45, whatever it is, how do I get all this stuff you want me to say into this time frame? How do I do this? And so I'm going to try my best today, this morning, to do this. And I'm going to say, I'm going to do something I've never done before. And uh, this month in April, how many know today's the 29th? Uh, I think Tuesday or Wednesday is the first. I believe Wednesday's the first. And it starts the month of April. We know next week is Easter and uh, the Passover. Amen. And uh, so this month in April, I'm going to open up Thursday nights. I did this just a couple times last year. But I'm going to take the whole month of April. And I'm going to have an open forum on Thursday nights for anybody who wants to come out and talk about end time stuff on Thursday night for the, for the month of April. 
Okay, every Thursday night at 7 o'clock, I will be here, whether there's one or there's a hundred, and I will talk about things that I can't get into one message, and I will also at, allow you to ask questions, and what I want to do on that quickly, uh, if you'll just think about this and help me with this and not leave things to the last, is I will answer questions that are given to me the week before. I'm not going to have you ask me a question right there that I can't possibly answer at that moment, so today even, for Thursday that's coming up, if any time today, if you have a question about end times, it's something you're not sure about, and there's no question too, too dumb, so to speak, too easy or too hard, okay? Anything that you just don't understand, I want you to write it down. And, I, and on Thursdays, the Sunday before the Thursday, I will get those, and during the week, I will look them over, and I will come and I will answer your questions as best I can from the Bible about any question that you have. Does that sound good? For the entire month of April. And, and hopefully, by the time this message is over, you will want to be at those forums. You will be interested, and something in your spirit will say, I've got to be there. I've got to understand how, how serious this is. Let's look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, chapter 4, verse 13. I, I don't want you to be ignorant. We saw this in the video, a lot, a lot of crazy stuff happening, and then the guy's preaching, and bam, the people disappear. It's called the rapture. It says, concerning those who have fallen asleep or die, in other words, lest you sorrow as those who have no hope. How many know we this morning are not the ones that don't have hope? We have hope. For if we believe, how do we know if we have hope? For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. That means those who died in Jesus. That means those who, when they breathed their last breath, were saved. Okay, that's what that means. That means that they had a belief and a relationship with, not a religion, a relationship with Jesus Christ. For, though, for this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that those who are alive, sorry, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep, meaning they, they will rise first before we go up. For the Lord himself, verse 16, will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And that's what my dad said at the offering. He's ready to see his mom and dad. Amen. Then we, who are what? What does it say there? Alive and what? Remain shall be caught up. That's what, the rapture, that's what the word rapture means. The word rapture is not in the Bible, but neither is the word trinity. How many believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit? But the word trinity is not in the Bible. And the word rapture is not in the Bible because this, word, this Bible was not written in English. But in the Greek word harpasso means to be snatched up, caught up, taken away, pulled away from danger. You can picture almost, watch this, you can picture almost somebody uh, running across, the, a kid running across the street and he's going to get hit by a car and somebody runs and snatches him out of, the, out of danger and that car goes by and that person doesn't die. That's how the rapture will be for the church. We'll be snatched up, caught up, taken away before the, the terrible, the Bible says, day of the Lord comes. Okay? How many are with me so far? Then, we who are alive and remain so caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Now, I want to keep reading in chapter 5 for a second, if you would, with me. And uh, I've been really praying. Again, I, I really pray I've got your attention. Amen. I really pray you pay attention to this. Amen. And really listen carefully because the one thing that the devil wants is for us to be caught off guard. And the one thing God does not want is for us to be caught off guard. Okay? So one of the things, if you've been saved very long at all, if you've heard possibly, is that people would say, we don't know when Jesus is coming back. We don't know one knows the day and no one knows the hour and we just don't know when he's coming back and there's just no way to know. And there's a truth to that, a very good truth. But what I'm trying to show you this morning is that God has a timetable. And that dad mentioned pregnancy in, in, in the offering, and we've had babies uh, born recently. And, and I want you to understand that, that the, the return of Christ to the, to, for the church 
is just like or very similar to a, a pregnancy. And Jesus even gives that example in the Bible. That, that when a, a baby is conceived and, and someone gets pregnant and they begin to know they're going to have a baby, there's a, there's a due date given. Amen? And I know some of this you might have heard before, but this is very important to understand for our spirits because if we understand that that baby's going to be born, we understand that it's going to be born around a certain time. Ladies, how many in here have had a baby? Let me see your hands. And husbands, you've been there with them, and we understand the process. And we understand that there's no way, really, for that doctor to know exactly the day or the hour. It's impossible. Impossible. Say that with me. Impossible to know the day or the hour. A doctor can't say, your baby's going to be born on January 21st at 3.13 in the afternoon. Okay? But that doctor can say, According to the date you were conceived, according to the age your baby has in the womb, the date is going to be, and how many know they give a due date? It's called a due date. Okay? And once they say the due date, we understand that when they, when they give the due date, we plan our lives around the due date of the baby. And we understand that there's going to be several months of, of pain and labor pain. And obviously the woman is the one that has to go through that. And I'm not going to make jokes this morning or go another way. But we understand there's labor pains. And we are in, as an, as an earth and as a church, the labor pains of the return of Christ. And we know that as the, the baby's due date gets closer and closer and closer, then those labor pains grow closer and closer and closer. And we begin to know, and I know, for example, many of you know that my daughter was born on my birthday, but she was also told, we were also told she was going to be born on that day. It was one of those rare occurrences where she was actually born on the day they told us. That's pretty crazy. And of course, the whole time, you know, we got a little bit excited when we found that out. And, and, and I know they don't get, they're never born on the day, but I thought, oh, that's cool. It was a cool day for me, especially being our first child. It was extra cool knowing she was going to possibly be born on my birthday. Obviously, the days got closer, and she actually was born at 3 o'clock in the morning of the 21st on my birthday. And so we understand that as time gets closer, and we understand this, a baby can come before the due date, but babies don't go past 10 months. They can go a few days, but how many know babies don't stay in there? months past the due date that baby is going to be born is going to be born jesus is going to come back for his church there's no ifs or ands or buts or questions or wondering and so we understand now in time that we are in the birth pains of the world and no we don't know the day and no we don't know the hour but I can tell you that it's here and it's any time and it's any moment and now because of technology Daniel 12 write it down read it later is very prophetic and mentions in verse 4 don't look at it for time now just write it down if I tell you to look at something then go there if not just write it for later but he says that in the in the last days knowledge will increase and so there's two sides to that. One is that science and knowledge and understanding and wit and technology and all these things would increase. And we know now every, I believe, 14 months, everything we know is doubled. Every 14 months. That's why we get a phone and two days later it's obsolete. And something new's coming out. You just bought a new computer and just in a month or so there'll be a new one out that's better. And so, so wisdom and technology is doubling. But here's the thing the Lord's been showing me, that just as the technology has been doubling and just as uh, the wisdom has been doubling, God is also giving an understanding to his church that we've never had before. There are some things coming out of the scriptures that have always been there. And, and, and the Bible says that we see through the glass dimly and darkly sometimes. And God begins to give a revelation and because of, of the availability of technology and the availability to look back at the past, we get an understanding that God really does have a timetable. He really does have a clock. And the, and the, the hands of his clock are turning. 
and they don't stop. And the Bible says, and I want you to look at this real quick before, no, actually don't even look at it because I want you to stay here in First Thessalonians 5. I'll, I'll, I'll read it to you in Genesis 1.14. Let me hold this in my mind for a second. Just stay right there in 1 Thessalonians. But this is important. All the way back in Genesis 1.14, he says this. And I, you've heard me read it before. Then God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens. That was the, the thing you saw in the beginning to divide, divide day and night. And so we've always looked at sun and moon and stars and things as, oh, those are some pretty stars. Wow, the moon's pretty. Wow, it's full. Quarter moon, half moon. Wow, that's beautiful. Wow, it's big. It's small. We've looked at that and we understand day and night. But when you really begin to understand the scriptures, you see in the Bible that he says these, these words, and let them be for signs and seasons. Signs and seasons. And so he's saying in his word that the sun and the moon are a, a, a watch hand on the clock of God. And until now, until this generation that we live in, we didn't have the technology to understand that, although we know something very amazing happened. And this was back in like June or July of last year when I began to look at this again. When I first got saved, I did lots of end-time study. And then I like, told you, I've always studied it, but I, I, I was in it heavy, and then I, I let it go for a while, and then now in the last year, I've gotten back into it heavily again, and I think it's a God-appointed time to be back in it heavily again. And as I'm looking at this, God reminded me in my spirit that there was one time before, that, not the only time, but one time before he used a really, really big sign for something very important. And it was called the birth of Jesus Christ. How many remember that? Remember, remember the birth? Well, what about the birth? Yeah, we know he was born. Well, he was born by... Uh, a sign that was in the heavens that some magi followed to know where the, saw, the Son of God was going to be born by the star of Bethlehem. Now, you talk about a phenomenon and a miracle that 2,000 years ago, they were able to read the stars and the sun and the moon to find him. Here we are now with a great understanding, and we have NASA. Trillions, probably, of dollars have gone into NASA to be able to understand, to be able to travel. Now we've traveled to the moon. We've been on the moon. We've placed a flag there. And we have satellites out. And, 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 and so now it's a whole nother level. But 2,000 years ago, God said, I'm going to show you a sign in the heavens. And those magi found Jesus by the, by the moon and by the stars and by the sun. And that's not astrology. That's astronomy. Say Amen. That was another thing the Lord showed me. I was talking to Richard about this this last week, the missionary that came and preached for us, and I was telling him the thing that's happened to us as Christians in the Western culture is we have been deceived by the devil to think that looking up to the stars is bad. Watch how the devil works. How many know that everything that God tries to do, the devil twists or gets our eyes somewhere else? So God said all the way back in Genesis that we should look for signs and, and, and seasons and the stars and the sun and the moon. But then the devil came along and said, if I don't twist this up a little bit, they're going to know what's going on. I got I to gotta fake them out a little bit here. Let me put some demonic, occult, witchcraft, horoscope, read the palm, different stuff around that stuff up in that. So I don't even look up. And here in the Western culture, we're raised as Christians to know that the horoscope is an ungodly thing. And not only is it ungodly, we don't even look at it. And so because we don't look at it, then our eyes have been taken off of the signs by the devil so that we wouldn't look up. Astrology is different than astronomy. Astronomy is the understanding. Astrology is the worship of. God said, don't worship the stars. Don't worship the sun and the moon. Worship me who created them. But I do want to put them in the skies for you to be able to know what I'm doing. I'm not going to, and here's one thing I'm going to get to right here off of this to lead into this. Let's look in chapter 5 real quick of 1 Thessalonians. Back to where we were. He says, but concerning the, look at this word again, what? Times and what? Seasons. I don't need to write to you. Sometimes we, we read that and we think, well, God just doesn't want us to know. We just be, 
We just be ready at all times. Yes. Yes, be ready at all times. Because how many know in this last 2,000 years, billions probably of people have died and gone to heaven looking for the return of Christ. You know, if they were looking so heavily back in the, in the first church that some of the writings that were written had to be written to them because they thought Jesus had already come back. They were looking. They've always been looking. They, 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 they didn't have any under, more understanding than we did. They just knew what the scripture said and said, we're going to listen. But he says, you don't have to be, uh, I don't I have to write to you about this, basically meaning I've got some understanding for you, but God's already laid a big foundation on this if you have eyes to see and ears to hear. Okay? So he says, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. Unexpectedly meaning. Okay? Just like that baby comes at a moment and an hour we do not know. And then he says, for when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains, I got ahead of myself, upon a pregnant woman. And they shall not escape. But watch this. Look at verse 4. But you, brethren, are not in darkness so that the day should overtake you as a thief you are sons of light and sons of the day we're not of night nor darkness so he's saying you don't have to be caught off guard but but let me say something right here that saddens me today is that i don't know and when i say things like this i mean it on a grand general big scale it doesn't mean anybody's not preaching it but if you were to look at a percentage of the churches in this world that are preaching about end times and the rapture and the return of jesus it is a small percentage and so what does that mean? You've got these mega churches and large churches and big, booming, going, doing churches that are not mentioning at all these very, very important things. Very, very vital things to our lives, to our walk. So that, that day will come as a thief in the night and unexpectedly to who? who who's that thief going to come? Does Jesus want to surprise people? No. He's going to come for those who are not watching watching and waiting watching and waiting amen watching and waiting just like the parable of the ten virgins so we go on to finish right here let us therefore let us not sleep what the missionaries say wednesday night the church is asleep let us not sleep as who now, is he writing this book to the world or Christians? Thank you. That means we, the Christians can be asleep. And he's saying, you don't be asleep. Don't be like the other Christians. Don't be like the other ones that are not watching. Don't be like the other ones that are living the way they want to live. You be different. You be watching. Don't do as they do. He says what? Let us watch and be sober. Oh, yeah, I don't drink. I'm good. No, sober means staying awake. Sober means alert. Sober means clean and clear-minded. That you're thinking of the things of God and not allowing this world to pollute your mind and keep you so busy with this world. Yes, we have to work. Yes, we have to go to school. Yes, we have to occupy till he comes. But you better understand that the reason we're on this earth is to live and to glorify God and to tell this world Jesus is coming back and it's short and we need to be doing the Father's business before he comes amen don't be so busy that you are caught off guard he says watch and be sober for those who sleep sleep at night and those who get drunk are drunk at night but let us who are of the day be sober putting on the breastplate of faith and love and a helmet of hope of salvation and watch this look at verse 9 i want you to see this for god this is one of the great promises for God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. That's a promise. God did not appoint us to wrath. Now, I don't know where everybody's at. This is the hard thing sometimes about preaching and teaching is because everybody's in different places. 
I don't want anybody to be left behind. I know some people have a good understanding of this. Some people have never heard it. Some people don't have a clue. Some people are, well, God, teach me. And everybody's on different levels. So I, I'm trying to throw stuff out every once in a while that you can grab onto at least the life preserver of an understanding of something. Amen? And because there's so much here, I want to take my time on it and I want to explain it and everything, but I don't want to speak over your head either because it's really not as hard, like I said, as it seems. But... We can overthink things sometimes. But God is beginning, I've got a bunch of stuff to talk about, but God is beginning to really, really, really sound the alarms. And so what I want you to understand more than anything else today, because I'm not going to have time to get into everything else, is that if you were to look, if you were to ask me, where are we at, Pastor, on God's timetable? Where are we at? Because I'm that kind of person. I want to know where we're at. Let me tell you to write a number down on your paper. And I'll tell you what time we're in. 11.59. That's where we're at. 11.59. On God's timetable. Can you say that with all sincerity? Yes. Why? Because of this because this right here why because genesis says we would know seasons and times we wouldn't have to be ignorant and he would he would give us things that would give us understanding and i don't have time to go on to this but i want you to know if if it's a, it, it, where's the pray the babies you're, you're on your way to the hospital you get in the bags those of you who had babies you're preparing your bag you're getting it ready we're going to the hospital we're going into labor that's where we're at and I showed you some stuff last year, and I'll show it again. I know many have not seen it. I showed you some stuff in the constellations. We've been hearing a lot on the news and on TV. There even a movie came out just recently, a documentary at some movie theaters called The Four Blood Moons. We've had all these things come out, and God is just saying, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming, get ready. I'm coming, and he's giving us a warning because he always does. He doesn't want us to be caught off guard. He doesn't want it to be unexpected. I'm coming. I'm coming. Wake up. I'm about to come. Uh, hello, please get, get out, get, get serious. I'm coming. That's what he's doing with all these things, yet the world sleeps. Why? Because God knows people. And he knows that just as in the days of Noah, so would the Son of Man's coming be. We're marrying and we're giving in marriage. We're building and we're doing things. And, and, and I gave a, a really, really important that I'll probably have to do again, uh, understanding Friday morning at our discipleship about America. That was very, very, very important of why we have been so blessed as a nation. How many guys got something out of that? Amen. Very blessed as a nation. It needs to be talked about again. But I want to I finish this morning, I guess, with, with the understanding of a couple things because I'm running out of time already. Matthew 24. Let's go there real quick. And it's very hard to not get frustrated as I preach this because of time. I can't do anything. It's, it's too quick. There's too much. And so, I, I, I will put this out there, though. Besides the Thursday night thing, church, I, I live and breathe talking about God. I love to talk about God. So there is no time that I will not talk to anybody about any of these things, because I love to talk about God. I can spend hours talking about the Lord. He's my passion. Amen. And so I, I want people, I want you to be equipped, church. I want us to be a church that when that trumpet sounds, there's nobody left in the seats. Amen. I don't want anybody to be left in these seats. I don't want anybody to be looking around saying, oh no, I missed it. I want us to be ready. God wants us to be ready. Jesus wants us to be ready. And so back in 24 of Matthew, the, the disciples are asking Jesus, Jesus, verse 2, sorry, verse 1. 
They came to the temple. The disciples came to show them the building of the temple. And Jesus said, do you not see all these stones? Sorry, all these things. Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. We read that verse and don't even understand what it means. When Jesus was talking right here at this moment, there was a temple that Solomon built. Remember the Solomon's temple? And they're standing in front of this temple. And he says, these stones, one will not be left upon another. And 70 years later, right where they were standing, that temple was destroyed. 70 years later, in 70 AD, the temple was destroyed. And from that day until today, there has been no temple in Jerusalem. Now, for this morning's purpose of getting something out of this, because there's too much to give, and I don't want you to walk away with surrounding ideas, write down Israel. Circle it. Exclamation point it. Put parentheses around it. Write it big. And put Israel is the key. Okay? Prophetically, when we're looking at God's timetable, we have to look at Israel. And again, being raised in the Western culture, being raised in America, not on purpose, just because of us being a great nation, our minds, eyes, and thoughts have always been right here. Like the Bible revolves around the United States. Right? It's an attitude we have, not on purpose or not by choice, just because we're raised in this great nation, and anybody who's immigrated into this nation agrees. It's a great nation. And it was founded by immigration, people coming in and making this their home. But we've always looked here and we've always thought, America, America. And we don't understand that the clock is not in the United States. It's over in Israel. It's over there. It's not here. It's over there. So our eyes prophetically have to be over there. Okay? And so when that temple was destroyed, Jesus' words came to pass, and that temple was destroyed, and now since 70 A.D., almost 2,000 years, there's been no temple on what's called the Temple Mount. What has been there for several hundred years is a Muslim mosque called the Dome on the Rock. And when they built that mosque, they thought they were building it on the exact place where Solomon's temple was. But the devil's defeated. And he's wrong and he misses. The spares a space there where Solomon's temple really was. And it's wide open for there to be a third Jewish temple built. And prophetically, things that are going to happen in the book of Revelation have to happen there. And Israel is our timetable. And right now, even though Jesus said not one stone of these stones will be left now in a warehouse in Jerusalem. I don't know how big the warehouse is, but it's big. Everything they need to rebuild the temple is sitting in a warehouse. Everything. Not just the construction, not just the wood or the block or whatever. Every uh, memorial thing, every candlestick, every altar, every sacrificial thing the Jews used in the Old Testament, everything, even the priests, sorry, the rabbis, are, are practicing daily what they're going to do in that temple, and they're waiting, and they're waiting, and they're waiting for the okay to build the temple. And of course, there's way more that I, I, I could get into and, and need to get into, but I don't have time. I'm giving you general layouts of these things that we can talk about more in depth. But Israel is the timetable because until, and I'm going to show you this, just let me, let, me, let me not get ahead of myself. Look at verse 3. Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately and said, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming? And of the end of the age. So what is God, what is, what is the disciples saying here? What's the Bible telling us? Things are going to come to an end. God has no beginning and no end. Himself, but this earth, and his plan, and his vision, and his desire, and his purpose has a beginning and has an end on this earth. Okay? And so we know the beginning in Genesis 1. And now they're saying, Lord, when, is this, when are these things going to come to the end? And so when we hear end times, we go, where's that come from? Right there. End times. 
the end of the age. And what's crazy is the world talks about end times more than the church does. The world has movies, and the world does all kinds of things talking about, and if you could go to the streets, you could talk to people, and they'd be like, man, it seems like this thing's coming to an end. The world knows better than the church. The world's more awake than the church. Isn't it amazing how many movies, and this is just on the other flip side of that, do you think it's a coincidence when I said a few minutes ago, Jesus said, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. Do you think it's a coincidence, all these movies that have come out in the last year? Do you think it's a coincidence? I know I haven't been alive a long time, but I've been alive long enough to see a lot of movies, and I've never, ever, ever, ever seen this many movies spiritually come out in one year. Movie after, and this is in the movie theaters, not the generic red box or, or Netflix ones. This is in the movie theaters. Movie, even the ones that are not even biblically correct, God is using them to wake people up. Even the Bible, the, the, the movie about Noah. It don't even have to be biblically correct. People are thinking about Noah because of Hollywood. God can use the, the craziness of this world and the foolishness things of this world to speak to us this morning and say, wake up. Even the world knows I'm coming. Wake up. Get ready. So he says, they say, when will these things happen? And look what verse 4 says. And Jesus says this, I'm glad you asked. Amen? He's not afraid. But I'm not going to give you the answer there because there's a whole bunch of stuff that we're going to read there that's not relative to what I need to tell you now. Go to 32. Verse 32. And I'll begin to close this morning. Verse 32. Say amen when you get there. We're right there. Chapter 24. Verse 32, same chapter we're in. Now learn this, the parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and put forth leaves, you know summer is near. Israel is that fig tree. Israel's the tree that we're looking for. That we're looking at. So what we got to understand is this. And let me not try to get ahead of myself. Let me, let me keep reading. Israel's the tree. Write that down. So he says in verse 33, So you also, when you see all these things, know that it is near. What is it? The rapture. The tribulation. The, the millennial reign. The end of the age. All these different things. He says, you will know when it is near at the doors. What does at the doors mean, okay? When somebody comes, when you, when you say, hey, come over to my house at 7, and the knock comes on the door, it's no longer you waiting for that person to get there. They're there. All you got to do is go open the door. It's not like they're in the car or they're on their way. He says, at the door. So when I say that we're in 1159 in God's timetable, that means that to me, in my spirit, in my understanding, is that right now the trumpet is in Gabriel's mouth. If it's not in his mouth, it's right here. And Jesus is just waiting. He's looking at his father, and he's saying, let's go. Let me go get him. You know why Jesus is excited to come get us? Because we're his bride. The church is his bride. How many know when you are in love with your bride and you're going to get married and it's God, you're excited about the wedding day. You get nervous, but you're waiting and counting the hours. Come on, day. Come on, come on, come on. Jesus is up there waiting. I want to go get my church. I want to go get my church. Amen. And so God, he, he, he said, not, not, even the, not even, no one knows the day or the hour except the Father. And so that's, that, that, and that's a whole other teaching. I can't even go there. There's a whole other teaching on the bride and the groom. There's so many different teachings. This is frustrating. I want to go somewhere and I can't. That's such a powerful teaching to understand we're the, we're the bride. So he says it's at the doors. Watch this. Here's the key to close this morning. Verse 34. Surely I say to you, here's the key, this generation Write that down, underline it, do something there. This generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. And then he says the word we heard many times, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. And then he goes on to say what I just said of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but the Father 
only as in the days of Noah. And he goes on. But I don't want you to look at that for now. I want to go back to the fig tree. He says, they say, Jesus, when will we know? What, what's the timetable? So they're almost like at the doctor when we've got the pregnancy going on. They're saying, what's the due date? What's the due date? And God says, Jesus says, the due date is when you see the fig tree blooming, this generation will not pass until all these things have come to pass. What generation? Here's what you got to understand. Psalms 90, write that down for time. We're not going to read it. Psalms 90, verse 10. David says very clearly in the scriptures what a generation is. He says a lifespan, a gen when he says generation, he means a lifespan is 70 years and can go up to 80. 70 to 80 years. That's why if somebody lives past 70, they've lived a good life. Amen? 70 to 80 years. So he, what is a generation? 70 to 80 years. What did Jesus say? This generation will not pass means it cannot go past this time frame, just like it cannot go past a baby. Y'all following me? I'm going to break this down. What's the fig tree? Israel. When the temple was destroyed in 70 AD, something happened. That's in Jeremiah, that's in Isaiah, that's in Ezekiel. Those are other scriptures. They were in my notes. Can't get into it for time. They'll be scattered, the Bible says. Who? God's people. Who? The Jewish nation. They'd be scattered all over the world. Okay, and there was, y'all still give me a couple more minutes here so I can finish this thought. They'd be scattered all over the world. And we know that biblically, they lost at that moment, in, those, in that time, they lost Israel. They lost their nation. They no longer, they were scattered so bad that they no longer had a home. They were kicked out and went all over the world. And I can't get into this either for time. But the main reason, church, that the United States has been so blessed is because many of them came here. And we gave them refuge. And they've lived here and founded our nation in many ways. And that's one of the reasons the nation is so blessed is because we took his people in. And his people were part of the founding. And his people, you know, follow me? So, that, so he says, they're scattered all over the world. They went all over the world. That's why everywhere you go, you see people that are Jewish and you see that they're rich. You think it's an accident that they're rich? They're God's kids. Amen? It's funny because, and I, I promise, don't, don't even don't make this funny, but you got the Paris Hiltons of today, and the, what's that other stupid TV show, the Kardashians, right? They have no talent and no ability, but all kinds of riches from their father. Amen? Today, the Jewish nation, they're rich because their daddy's rich. Hey, come on, church, I'm being, this is real talk. And they're blessed everywhere they go because their daddy's God. Now, we are, our daddy's our God too now, thank God, because we've been grafted in. But we're talking about the Jewish people, and you have to understand the Jewish people and the Jewish customs and the, everything about them to understand his time clock. So they're scattered all over the world, and then later on in the same books of Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Isaiah, he begins to prophesy prophetically, my people are going to come back to their nation, back to their land. And so back, church, and, and again, I'm, I'm not even scratching the surface on this, then the Jewish, the Jewish begin to come back to Israel, but where, how can they come back to something that's not theirs? They have nowhere to go. They're physical orphans. They have no homeland. But we know that there's so much prophetically that has to happen. So here's what happens. And, and there's a whole other bunch of events that go into this I can't get into. In 1948, write that down. 1948, Israel becomes a nation. In 1948, the fig tree is born. 1948. Why do I say 1159? Do the math. What's 70 plus 48? 2018. Jesus said, this generation will not pass till all these things have come to pass. Heaven and earth, he says, listen, you can take this to the bank. My time clock does not lie. And listen, I haven't got into 
anything else. I'm frustrated again. Let me just say it again, how frustrated I am. Amen? There's so much more I want to say on these every point, but the idea is in 48, Israel was born. 70 years brings us to now, the 1159 hour, that just brings into a a word that I want you to write down too that will lead us into the rest of these teachings for the next month called convergence. means things are converging. That means all these signs that God has given from every direction are coming to one appointed time and one appointed place and one appointed event. Y'all following that? The convergence of signs? Okay. And uh, help me finish this, Lord. Help me just close today. Where do I finish? Honestly, studying this, the most frustrating thing has been, God, how do I get, how do I get this out? I'm going to close with Israel. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take just a minute to give you something that you'll hear again, but, I, but, I, but, it, but it's amazing. Write this down real quick to give you a last foundation. Three important things about, our, about, about America. You say, well, this isn't about us. Yeah, but we live here. And we do play a part. Write these three things down, and I'll explain them later. Number one, just write the word Shemitah. I'm going to tell you how to spell it. S-H-E-M-I-T-A-H. S-H-E-M-I-T-A-H. Y'all writing that down, or are you just putting it up here? All right, either way. Shemitah. Put a little line and put Sabbath year. That's what that means. Shemitah means Sabbath year. We have a Sabbath day of rest. Shemitah means Sabbath year. Seventh year. Okay? How many know seven is a very important number in God? So just, I'm not going to get into, I don't have time to get into that today, what that means. But second one is the U.S., write this down, U.S. rapidly turning from God. U.S. rapidly turning from God. Under, important to understand. U.S. rapidly turning from God. And, and the thing I talked about in Discipleship Friday, talked about how our nation was formed and why it was formed and why we've been blessed. And the last thing is, three, U.S. turning their backs on Israel. U.S. turning their backs on Israel. Just to give you one last thing this morning to go off of, just a kind of like a climax of this morning, an awesome thought, is 48, the nation, we saw, if you saw the Blood Moon movie, the, the, I, I went and saw it, and I didn't get a lot of new stuff out of it, but, I saw, but the, they had a couple scenarios in there that blessed me, where they were showing how when Israel took back their land, how they took it back. And how many have heard the story of Jericho? And you've heard the story of Gideon? And 32,000, no, too much. 22,000, no, too much. 10,000, no, too much. I need 300, that's all I need. David and Goliath. Okay, all these stories in the Bible that we've read for years, Sunday school teachers are probably talking about it today. These amazing Bible stories. And we go, yeah, that's cool. But deep down inside, our carnal mind says, really? Right? Can we be real? Really? Was Jonah really swallowed by a fish? Right? Come on, try, don't try to act super spiritual. You know your carnal mind says, really? 300 men defeated thousands, 30,000 men, really? David defeated Goliath with a stone, really? Well, the thing that I got out of this that was amazing was how really cla- uh, confirmed and, uh, what's the word? Um, what's another word for confirmed? Documented. The war was in 1967. Write that down, 1967. And pray for that kid. (laughs) Amen. If that's your kid, don't worry. They're in good hands. Amen. 1967. So 48, Israel was formed. 67, they got Jerusalem back. Okay? There's other stuff that leads up to those numbers, but the amazing thing was they showed in this documentary documentation that they're out at war and they show us three or four soldiers and they're out there and you can tell they're exhausted and they're sweating and they're they got their guns and they look hopeless 
and they're just like, they're, you look, they look defeated. And they look over this rim, and they see on the horizon hundreds of soldiers. They fought against the Iraqs, Iranians, Syrians, and Jordan. Four nations against one. Now, I'm not, this isn't a Bible story. This is a real story. Like, well, not that the Bible's not real, but you know what I'm saying? Real today, like we've seen it, our own eyes. My dad was alive. Many were alive in 67. Amen. I wasn't alive yet. But they, they look over and they see hundreds of soldiers and tanks. It was like two or three tanks coming at them. And they're all armed and they're, they begin to shoot back and forth. All of a sudden, this guy gets up, this Israeli gets up, and he looks at them and they look at them and instead of shooting them, they put their guns down. And they surrender. They put his hand up. And then the next thing they show, it was, it was almost funny, but it was amazing, it made your hair stand up, is they go to the next scene, and they show these hundreds of soldiers, Arab soldiers, with their hands up, walking, and three huge tanks driving, and three soldiers walking them back to camp. Three or four soldiers taking hundreds of Arab soldiers with tanks and guns and all that, and they're arrested in their mind and paralyzed in their spirit, scared to death because they saw God against them. Amen? This is real. This isn't something that is in the Bible. That Oh, I wonder if that's true. It's modern-day Israel becoming a nation again. And let me just give you this stat before I close. And I'm going to go ahead and let the musicians come this morning. Let me give you this stat that I studied just to close with this morning to wet your chops on the rest of the stuff. This, this war was called none less than the Six-Day War. How many remember that? Now, some people are going to say the Arab-Israeli War, but most, and listen, you can Google all this stuff, I'm telling you. It was called the Six-Day War. Does that mean anything to anybody? Six days? Does that sound familiar to anybody? That means they fought the war. The war could have been five days, four days, eight days. But no, it was six days. God says, I'm a God of numbers. I wrote a whole book about it. I, I do numbers. I do signs and seasons. The fig tree defeats Arab nations in six days, and on the seventh, they rested. Amen. And here's the crazy thing. We'll, we'll talk about this more later, but this just blew me away and blessed me. When you look at, at Israel on a map, if you want to look at this screen, for example, let's just say that this big screen is Iraq. Israel's like this big. Jordan, Israel's like this big. Syria, Israel's like this big. You know how big Israel is? It's the size of New Jersey, which is the fifth smallest state in the United States. Come on, don't go anywhere in your mind. Stay here. This is important because this will lift your faith. That God's really in this. Because if somebody were to ask me, not that many do, but if someone did, what is, what is the biggest reason you believe in God? Outside of the fact that I know Jesus came on this earth to live a perfect life and die for me, Israel is the biggest reason I believe in God. Because we think, oh, with man it's impossible, but with God it's possible. We hear all these things, and they're up here, unfortunately. But do we really believe? When you see Israel as a nation come back on the scene again after 2,000 years in the six day war listen to this in the six day war this is on you can google this I didn't make this up not only did they win the war Iraq Iran Syria and Jordan four nations there all these nations surrounding them there was only one nation that was not against them and it was the Mediterranean Sea you know that's not a nation the only side they were safe on was the ocean all these countries and God gave them a heads up they're gonna attack you 
just like in the Bible. Remember in the stories of the Bible, God would give them insight. He'd say, attack now, attack by night, do this, do that, and they'd go do it, and they'd win the war. So they attacked instead of being attacked. But when that war broke out, it is on Google, you can look it up, there were twice as many soldiers as they had. They had help from Russia. Now listen, this is 50 years ago. Okay? 50 years ago, Russia had given them, right before this six-day war, $2 billion in ammunition. Let that sink in for a second. $2 billion 50 years ago in ammunition to the Arab nations, Russia. Go get them. Unfair fight, huh? Four times as many aircraft. Four times. Three times as many tanks. Twice as many soldiers. And all that ammunition and Israel beats them in six days six days and gets Jerusalem back every time I tell that story the hair raises up on my arms because it's not a Bible story it's a today story God says let me show you I still do what I did in the Word of God I'm still God yesterday I'm still God today and I will be God tomorrow who stands with me, I will stand with them. That's why it says, if God be for me, who can be against me? That's when those verses really begin to stand out. And those things that I said about that war, they, listen, the Arabs said it. That wasn't made up by the Israelis. They didn't come back and tell a story. How many remember last year when uh, we knew it was a blood moon and around this time, there was a war that broke out real, real quickly, right on time, between the uh, Israelis and Hamas. Remember that war last year? How many of you remember on the news, and in the newspaper, and online, and everywhere else, hearing the stories, that they kept shooting missiles over to Israel? And the Arabs themselves said, we keep shooting missiles, but they keep going different directions. We can't get our missiles to hit Israel. 2,000 people died from Hamas and four or five died from Israel in that war and they got this they got it back don't mess with God's people don't mess with God's word amen don't mess with God's Savior don't mess with God's children how many are glad you're a child of God this morning amen these aren't coincidences these are prophetic words from God I'm coming I'm coming I'm coming.